Chapter Six of In the Reign of Terror by G. A. Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jan Raimundo. Chapter Six: An Anxious Time. Harry and the girls had brought bundles of clothes with them in their flight, as it would have looked strange had they arrived without any clothes save those they wore. Harry had brought with him only underlinen, as he had nothing else which would be of service to him now. No sooner had Louise Moulin left him than he went out and purchased at a second-hand shop a workman's suit. This he carried home, and dressing himself in it, descended the stairs again and set out to retrace his steps across Paris. When he reached the mansion of the Marquis, he found a crowd of people going in and out. Those leaving the house were laden with articles of furniture, clocks, pictures, bedding, and other things. A complete sack of the mansion was indeed taking place. The servants had all fled after the arrest of the Marquis and his wife, and the mob had taken possession of the house. The lofty mirrors were smashed into fragments, the costly hangings torn down, and after they had destroyed much of the elaborate furniture, every man and woman began to lay hands upon whatever they fancied, and the mansion was already stripped of the greater part of its belongings. With his hands in his pockets, whistling carelessly, Harry wandered from room to room watching the proceedings. Several barrels of wine had been brought up into the salon, and round these were gathered a number of already drunken men, singing, shouting, and dancing. "'Drink, drink, my garçon,' a woman said, holding a silver goblet full of wine towards him. "'Drink confusion to the tyrants, and liberty and freedom to the people.' Harry drank the toast without hesitation, and then, heart-sick at the destruction and ruin, wandered out again into the streets. Knowing the anxiety which Marie would be suffering as to the safety of her lover, he next took his way to the mansion of the Duc de Guison. The house was shut up, but groups of men were standing in the road opposite, talking. Sauntering along, Harry stopped near enough to one of these to hear what they were saying. He learned that the Duke had been arrested only that morning. It had been effected quietly, the doors had again been locked before those in the neighbourhood knew what was going on, and a guard had been left inside, partly, as it was said, in order that the mansion might be preserved from pillage and be used for public purposes, partly that the young Count, who was absent, might be arrested when he returned. As Harry knew that the Duke had estates in the neighbourhood of Fontainebleau, he thought it probable that Victor might have gone thither, and he at once proceeded towards the gate by which he would enter on his return thence. He sat down a short distance outside the gate, and watched patiently for some hours until he perceived a horseman approaching at a gallop, and at once recognized Victor de Guison. Harry went forward on the road and held out his arms. The young Count, not recognizing him, did not check his horse, and would have ridden him down had he not jumped aside, at the same time shouting to him by name to stop. "'What do you want, fellow?' Victor exclaimed, reining in his horse. "'You do not recognize me,' Harry said. "'I am Harry Sandwith, Count, and I am here to warn you of the danger of proceeding.' "'Why, what has happened?' Victor exclaimed anxiously. "'And why are you in disguise, Monsieur Sandwith?' "'A great number of arrests have taken place in the night, among them that of the Marquis de Saint-Caux and, and your father. Men are waiting inside your house to arrest you as you enter.' Victor uttered an exclamation of anger. "'That is why I have been sent away,' he said. "'My father had no doubt received a warning of what was about to happen, "'and yesterday at noon he requested me to ride to his estate "'and have an interview with the steward as to the rents. "'I wondered at his sending me so suddenly, and, feeling uneasy, "'rode there post-haste, saw the steward last night, "'and started again on a fresh horse this morning. 
this accounts for it he knew that if i were there nothing would have induced me to separate myself from him while by sending me away he left it me to do as i thought fit afterwards trusting that when i found that he was already imprisoned i might follow the counsel he had urged upon me to make my escape from the country and how about the ladies how about marie the marquise was conveyed to prison with the marquis the three young ladies are all safe with their mother's old servant louise moulin this is her address they are in disguise as peasants, and no suspicion will, I hope, arise as to their real position. Not that the Marquis thought it probable they would be included in the order of arrest, but he said there was no knowing now to what lengths the mob might go, and he thought it better that they should disappear altogether for the present. Ernest and Jules went away in disguise with Monsieur du Tillet. After seeing the young ladies in safety this morning, I went down to see what had happened at your father's mansion, in order to assuage Mademoiselle de saint Cos's anxiety respecting your safety, and found, as I expected, that the Duke had been arrested, and learned that a party were inside waiting to arrest you on your return. "'I thank you indeed,' Victor said, and most warmly. "'I do not know what to do. My father is most anxious that I should cross the frontier, but I cannot go so long as he and Marie are in danger.' If you enter Paris as you are, Harry said, you are certain to be arrested. Your only chance would be to do as I have done, namely, to disguise yourself and take a small lodging, where you might live unsuspected. And in that way I can see Marie sometimes, Victor said. You could do so, Harry agreed, in a somewhat hesitating way. But it would greatly add to her danger, and, were you detected, might lead to the discovery of her disguise. Besides, the thought that you were liable to arrest at any time would naturally heighten the anxiety from which she is suffering as to the fate of her father and mother. "'But I cannot and will not run away and leave them all here in danger,' Victor said passionately. "'I would not advise you to do so,' Harry replied. "'I would only suggest that after seeing Mademoiselle de saint Caux once, you should lead her to believe that you have decided upon making for the frontier, and she will therefore have the happiness of believing that you are safe, while you are still near and watching over her.' that is all very well victor said but what opinion would she have of me if she thought me capable of deserting her in that way you would represent that you were obeying the duke's orders and besides if you did suffer in her opinion it would be but temporarily for when she learned the truth that you had only pretended to leave in order that her position might be the safer and that her mind might be relieved she could only think more highly of you besides if necessary you could at any time again present yourself before her your counsel is good, Monsieur Sanwith, and I will, at any rate for a time, follow it. As you can say, I can at any time reappear. Where are you lodging? I will take a room near, and we can meet and compare notes and act together. Harry gave him his address. You have only to walk upstairs to the top story. My room is the one directly opposite the top of the stairs. I will call on you tomorrow morning, Victor said. I will ride my horse a few miles back and turn him loose in some quiet place, and buy at the first village a blouse and a workman's pantaloons. I think, Harry said, that would be unwise, Count. It would look strange in the extreme for a gentleman dressed as you are to make such a purchase. You might be at once arrested, or a report of the circumstance might be sent into Paris and lead to your discovery. If you will wait here for half an hour, I will go back and buy you the things you want at the first shop I come to, and bring them out to you. Then you can ride back and loose the horse as you propose, but I should advise you to hide the saddle and bridle, as well as the clothes you are now wearing, most carefully. Whoever finds your horse will probably appropriate it, and will say nothing about it, so that all clue to your movements will be lost, and it will be supposed that you have ridden to the frontier. Peste, Monsieur Sanwith! 
You seem to have a head ready for all emergencies. I know what a high opinion the Marquis had of you, and I perceive that it is fully justified, and consider myself as fortunate indeed in having you for a friend in such a time as the present. We have need of all our wits, Harry said quietly. The Marquis was good enough to accept my offer to do all that I could to look after the safety of mademoiselles, and if I fail in my trust it will not, I hope, be for any lack of care or courage. The meeting had taken place at a point where it could not be observed from the gate, and the Count withdrew a few hundred yards farther away, while Harry went back into Paris. The latter had no difficulty in purchasing the clothes required by the Count, and returned with them in little over a quarter of an hour, and then, having seen de Guizon ride off, he sauntered back into Paris and made his way towards the heart of the city. Crossing the river he found a vast crowd gathered in front of the Hôtel de Ville. The news of the wholesale arrests which had been made during the night had filled the populace with joy, and the air was full of shouts of, Down with the aristocrats! Vive Danton! Vive Marat! Vive Robespierre! Hawkers were selling, in the crowd, newspapers and broadsheets filled with the foulest attacks, couched in the most horrible language, upon the king, the queen, and the aristocracy. At various points, men, mounted upon steps or the pedestals of statues, harangued the mob, while from time to time the crowd opened and made way for members of the city council, who were cheered or hooted according to their supposed sentiments for or against the cause of the people. After remaining there for some time, Harry made his way to the entrance to the assembly. A crowd was gathered here, and a tremendous rush was made when the doors were opened. Harry managed to force his way in, and sat for some hours listening to the debate, which was constantly interrupted by the people in the galleries, who applauded with frenzy the speeches of their favorite orators, the deputies of the mountain, as the bank of seats occupied by the Jacobin members was named, and howled and yelled when the Girondists ventured to advocate moderation or conciliation. It was late in the evening before the sitting was over, and Harry was unable to leave his place earlier. Then he went and had supper at a wine-shop, and after sauntering on the boulevards until the streets began to be deserted, he again crossed the river and made his way to the mansion. Not a light was to be seen in the windows, and all was still and quiet. The great door stood open. The work of destruction was complete. The house was stripped of everything that could be carried away. Harry made his way up to the bedroom of the Marquis. The massive bedstead still stood in its place, having defied the efforts of destruction which had proved successful with the cabinets and other furniture. Sitting down on the floor, Harry counted the boards beneath the bed, and then, taking out a strong knife which he had purchased during the day, he inserted it by the side of the middle board and tried to raise it. It yielded without difficulty to his effort. As soon as it was lifted, he groped in the cavity below it, and his hand soon came in contact with the heavy bag. Taking this out and putting it beneath his blouse, he replaced the board and made his way downstairs. He felt too fatigued to walk across Paris again, and therefore made his way down to the river and curled himself up for the night at the foot of the woodpile where the girls had found shelter in the morning, and, in spite of the novelty of his situation, fell instantly asleep. It was broad daylight when he woke, and an hour later he regained his lodgings, stopping by the way to breakfast at a quiet estaminet, frequented by the better class of workmen. As when he had sallied out the day before, he was fortunate in meeting no one as he made his way up the stairs to his room. His first step was to get up a board and to deposit beneath it the bag of money. Then, having changed his clothes, he went out and made a variety of purchases for housekeeping, as he did not wish to be obliged to take his meals at places where anyone sitting at the table with him might enter into conversation. 
his french was quite good enough to pass in the salon of the marquis but his ignorance of the parisian slang spoken among the working classes would have rendered it difficult for him to keep up his assumed character among them and would have needed the fabrication of all sorts of stories as to his birthplace and past history although in the position in which he was placed harry felt that it would be impossible always to adhere to the truth he shrank from any falsehoods that could possibly be avoided his first duty in order to carry out the task he had undertaken was to keep up his disguise and this must be done even at the cost of telling lies as to his antecedents but he was determined that he would avoid this unpleasant necessity as far as lay in his power at nine o'clock he made his way to the apartments of louise moulin his entry was received with a cry of satisfaction from the girls what is the news harry jeanne exclaimed we expected you here yesterday evening and sat up till ten o'clock i was over the other side of the river discharging a mission your father had confided to me and did not get back till this morning i knew he was prevented by something john said triumphantly i told you so marie didn't i yes dear i was wrong to be impatient but you will forgive me harry you can guess how i suffered yesterday it was natural you should expect me mademoiselle i was sorry afterwards that i did not tell you when i left you that i should not be able to come in the evening but indeed i did not think of it at the time and now for your news harry jeanne asked impatiently have you learned anything about our father and mother i am sorry to say i have not except that they with many others were taken to the prison of bicet but i have good news for you mademoiselle marie after going first to the house and finding it in the possession of a hideous mob who were plundering and drinking i went to see what had taken place at the hotel of the duc de guison i found that he had like your father been arrested in the night i learned that the count was absent and that a party were inside in readiness to arrest him on his return thinking it probable that he might have gone down to their estate near fontainebleau i went beyond the gate on that road and waited for him i had the good fortune to meet him to warn him of his danger and to prevent his returning to town he rode away with a suit of workmen's clothes i had procured for him and was to enter paris in that disguise in the evening he is to call on me at ten o'clock and i will then conduct him hither i thought it best to come in before to let you know that he was coming marie burst into tears of happiness at hearing that her lover had escaped from the danger which threatened worn out by the fatigue and anxiety of the previous night she had slept for some hours after reaching the shelter of the old nurse's roof but she had lain awake all night thinking over the danger of all those dear to her she was now completely overcome with the revulsion of feeling you are a dear boy harry jeanne said with frank admiration while marie sobbed out exclamations of gratitude you do seem to think about everything and now marie knows that victor is safe i do hope she is going to be more like herself as i tell her they cannot hurt father or mother they have done no wrong and they must let them out of prison after a time mamma said we were to be brave and at any rate i try to be and so does virginie though she does cry sometimes and now i hope marie will be cheerful too and not go about the rooms looking so downcast and wretched it seems to me a miserable thing being in love i should have thought marie would have been the last person to be downcast for no one is prouder of being a saint Col than she is i shall be better now jeanne marie said smiling as she wiped away her tears you shall not have any reason to complain of me in future but do you not think harry she went on with a return of her anxiety that it is very dangerous for victor to come back into paris i know that his father has long been praying for him to make for the frontier i do not think it is very dangerous at present mademoiselle although it may be later if this rage against the aristocrats increases 
but i hope that when he has once seen you which is his principal object in returning to paris he will carry out his father's wishes and make for the frontier for his presence here can be of no possible utility oh i hope so marie said for i am sure victor would soon be found out he could never make himself look like one of these canets why shouldn't he jean said indignantly harry does and he is just as good-looking as victor marie burst into a fit of laughter what a champion you are child to be sure but you are quite right clothes after all do go a long way towards making a man still although i think that it is dangerous for harry i think it will be more dangerous for victor because you see he is a man and he has the manner of his race and would find it more difficult to pass himself off as a workman than harry who has got something of english and she hesitated roughness harry put in laughing you are quite right mademoiselle i can assure you that with these thick shoes on i find it quite natural for me to slouch along as the workmen do and it will be much more difficult for the count who always walks with his head thrown back and a sort of air of looking down upon mankind in general marie laughed this time that is a fair retort victor certainly has the grand manner however i shall order him to go and if he won't obey his father's wishes he will have to give way to mine i think mademoiselle that it would be wiser for monsieur de guizon to meet you elsewhere than here the arrival of three relations to stop with madame moulin is sure to attract some little attention among her neighbours just at first you will be the subject of talk and gossip my visit will no doubt be noticed and it will be as well that there should not be more material for talk the less we attract attention the better no doubt many have escaped arrest and there will be a sharp lookout for as they will call us suspicious persons i should propose if you have no objection to such a course that you should stroll out with your sisters and louise through the fields to st denis the count will be in my room in a few minutes we can keep a lookout from my window and follow you at a distance until we get clear from observation beyond the gates marie looked at madame moulin who nodded that would be the best plan my dear what monsieur saint says is very true the less we give the neighbours to gossip about the better for though your disguises are good if sharp eyes are watching you they may note something in your walk or air that may excite suspicion that being arranged then you must excuse me for it is just the time when the count was to arrive and i fancy that he will be before rather than behind time indeed upon reaching the door of his room harry found the young count standing there oh it is you friend harry i have been here ten minutes and i began to be afraid that something might have happened to you and to imagine all sorts of things it is still three or four minutes before the time we agreed upon victor harry said in a loud voice for at this moment one of the other doors opened and a woman came out with a basket in her arms i have been looking about as usual but without luck so far i suppose you have had no better fortune in your search for work he had by this time unlocked his door and the two entered together i must call you by your christian name count and will do so if you don't mind when alone as at other times otherwise the title might slip out accidentally will you on your part call me henri as you know the marquis and his family called me harry which is the ordinary way in england of calling anyone whose name is henry that is unless he is a soft sort of fellow but i must ask them to call me henri now harry would never do here have you seen them was the count's first question i have just left them victor and if you look out from that window into the street you will in a few minutes see them also they are just going for a ramble towards st denis and we will follow them i thought it safer not to attract attention by going to the house and i also thought that it would be more pleasant for you to talk to mademoiselle de st Caux out there in the fields than in a little room with us present 
much more pleasant indeed i was wondering whether i should get an opportunity for a few minutes talk alone with her they both took their places at the open window and leaned out apparently chatting and carelessly watching what was passing in the street a quarter of an hour later they saw louise moulin and the girls come out from their house we had better come away from the window now harry said virginie might look up and nod we can't be too careful they waited three or four minutes to allow the others to get well ahead and then started out after them they walked fast until they caught sight of the others and then kept some distance behind until the party had left the town and were out among the fields which lay between paris and st denis they then quickened their pace and were soon up with them the greeting between the lovers was a silent one few words were spoken but their faces expressed their joy at meeting again after the perils through which they had passed there was a little pause and then harry as usual took the lead i will stroll on to st denis and back with jeanne and virginie madame moulin can sit down on that log over there and go on with her knitting you victor can ramble on with mademoiselle by that path through the field we will agree to meet here again in an hour this arrangement was carried out jeanne and virginie really enjoyed their rock the latter thought their disguise was great fun and being naturally a little mimic imitated so well the walk and manner of the country children she had seen in her walks near the chateau that her sister and harry were greatly amused i like this too harry jeanne said it would not be nice to be a peasant girl for many things but it must be joyful to be able to walk and run and do just as you please without having a gouvernante always with you to say hold up your head mademoiselle jeanne do not swing your arms mademoiselle jeanne please walk more sedately mademoiselle jeanne oh it was hateful now we might run mightn't we harry oh by the way jeanne please call me henri now harry is english and people would notice directly if you happen to say it while anyone is near i like harry best jeanne said but of course i should not say it before the people but may we run just for once certainly you may harry laughed you and virginie can have a race to the corner of that wall come on virginie jeanne cried as she started and the two girls ran at full speed to the wall jeanne however completely distancing her younger sister they were both laughing when harry came up that is the first time i have run a race jeanne said i've often wanted to try how fast i could run but i have never ventured to ask mademoiselle she would have been horrified but i don't know how it is virginie does not run faster virginie has more flesh harry said smiling she carries weight as we should say in england while you have nothing to spare and she is three years older virginie put in jeanne is just sixteen and i'm not thirteen yet it makes a difference a great deal of difference harry agreed but i don't think he will ever run as fast as she does that will not matter you know he went on as virginie looked a little disappointed because it is not likely that he will ever race again but jeanne looks cut out for a runner just the build you see tall and slim and active yes virginie agreed frankly jeanne has walked ever so far and never gets tired while well, i get dreadfully tired mamma says sometimes i'm quite a baby for my age here are some people coming harry said as we pass them please talk with little patois your good french would be suspicious all the children of the marquis from their visits among the peasants cottages had picked up a good deal of the burgundian patois and when talking among themselves often used the expressions current among the peasantry and they now dropped into this talk which harry had also acquired as they passed a group of people coming in from st denis they walked nearly as far as that town and then turned and reached the point where the party had separated a few minutes before the expiration of the appointed hour the two girls ran away to louise moulin and chatted to her gaily while harry walked up and down until a quarter of an hour later 
the count and marie made their appearance the party stood talking together for a few minutes then adieus were said with a very pale face but with firmness on marie's part and then the girls with louise turned their faces to paris while harry and victor remained behind until they had got well on their way it was hard to deceive her victor said but you were right she insisted that i should go i seemed to resist and urged that it was cowardly for me to run away and to leave her here alone but she would not listen to it she said it was a duty i owed to my father and family to save myself and that she should be wretched if she thought i was in paris in constant danger of arrest finally i had to give way to her but it went against the grain for even while she was urging me she must have felt in her heart it would be cowardly of me to go however she will know some day that victor de guison is no coward i am sure it is better so harry said she will have anxiety enough to bear as to her father and mother it is well that her mind should be at ease concerning you in reality victor said i shall be safer here than i should be journeying towards the frontier the papers this morning say that in consequence of the escape of suspected persons and of the emigration of the nobles to join the enemies of france orders have been sent that the strictest scrutiny is to be exercised on the roads leading to the frontier over all strangers who may pass through all who cannot give a perfectly satisfactory account of themselves and produce their papers en règle are to be arrested and sent to paris therefore my chance of getting through would be small indeed whereas while remaining in paris there can be little fear of detection not much risk i hope harry agreed but there is no saying what stringent steps they may take as time goes on victor had taken a lodging a few houses from that of harry every day the excitement in paris increased every day there were fresh arrests until all the prisons became crowded to overflowing it was late in august the prussians were advancing and had laid siege to verdun and terror was added to the emotions which excited to madness the population of paris black flags were hung from the steeples and danton and his allies skilfully used the fear inspired by the foreign enemy to add to the general hatred of the royalists we republicans he said in the rostrum of the assembly are exposed to two parties that of the enemy without that of the royalists within there is a royalist directory which sits secretly at paris and corresponds with the prussian army to frustrate it we must terrify the royalists the assembly decreed death against all who directly or indirectly refused to execute or hindered the orders given by the executive power rumors of conspiracy agitated paris and struck alarm into people's minds while those who had friends within the prison walls became more and more alarmed for their safety on the twenty eighth of august orders were issued that all the inhabitants of paris were to stay in their house in order that a visit might be made by the delegates of the commune to search for arms of which danton had declared there were eighty thousand hidden in paris and to search for suspected persons as soon as the order was issued harry and victor went to their lodgings and telling their landlords that they had obtained work at the other end of town paid their rent and left the city and for the next two days slept in the woods they passed most of their time discussing projects for enabling their friends to escape for from the stringency of the steps taken and the violence of the commune they could no longer indulge in the hopes that in a short time the prisoners against whom no serious charge could be brought would be released at the same time they could hardly persuade themselves that even such men as those who now held the supreme power in their hands could intend to take extreme measures against so vast a number of prisoners as were now in custody victor and harry knew that their friends had at first been taken to the prison of bicetre but whether they were still confined there they were of course ignorant still there was no reason to suppose that they had been transferred to any of the other jails 
the bicetre was they had discovered so strongly guarded that neither force nor stratagem seemed available the jailers were the creatures of danton and robespierre and any attempt to bribe them would have been dangerous in the extreme victor proposed that as he as well as harry was well provided with funds for he had brought to paris all the money which the steward of the estates had collected they should recruit a band among the ruffians of the city and make a sudden attack upon the prison but harry pointed out that a numerous band would be required for such an enterprise and that among so many men one would be sure to turn traitor before the time came i am ready to run all risks victor but i see no chance of success in it the very first man we spoke to might denounce us and if we were seized there would be no one to look after the safety of mademoiselle de st caux and her sisters my first duty is towards them i gave my promise to their father and although it is not probable that i can be of any use to them i will at any rate if possible be at hand should occasion rise on the evening of the thirtieth they returned to paris and took two fresh apartments at a distance from their former quarters they were greatly anxious as to the safety of the girls and harry at once hastened there but found that all was well the deputies learning from the landlord that only an old woman and her nieces inhabited the upper story and having a heavy task before them had only paid a short visit to the room and had left after asking louise one or two questions the girls however were in a state of terrible anxiety as to their parents although louise had avoided repeating to them the sinister rumours which came to her ears when she was abroad doing her marketing for she now went out alone thinking it better that the girls should appear as little as possible in the streets it is terrible marie said i think night and day of our father and mother can nothing be done surely we might devise some means for their escape i can think of nothing harry said the prison is too strong to be taken without a considerable force and it would be impossible to get that together could we not bribe these wretches i have thought over that too harry replied but you see it would be necessary to get several men to work together one might perhaps bribe the man who has charge of the cell but there would be other warders and the guard at the gate and the latter are changed every day i do not see how that could possibly be done would it be any use do you think were i to go to danton or robespierre and plead with them for their lives i would do that willingly if you think there would be the slightest chance of success it would be like a lamb going to plead with a wolf you would only attract attention to them could you not get hold of one of these wretches and force him to sign an order for their release john suggested eh harry exclaimed in surprise john you have the best head of us all that idea never occurred to me yes that might be possible how stupid of me not to think of it do not run into any danger harry marie said earnestly such a scheme could hardly succeed i don't know mademoiselle i think it might i will think it over of course there are difficulties but i do not see why it should not succeed certainly it will succeed if harry undertakes it jean said with implicit trust in his powers harry laughed and even marie anxious as she was could not help smiling i will try and deserve your confidence jean but i am not a magician but i will talk it over with and he hesitated with a young fellow who is like myself a royalist and in disguise luckily we ran against each other the other day and after a little conversation discovered each other he too has relatives in prison and will i am sure join me in any scheme i may undertake two heads are better than one and four are much better than two when it comes to acting and now i must say good-night i hope when i see you again i shall be able to tell you that i have formed some sort of plan for their release End of chapter six recording by Jen Raimundo.